This is your Friday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Lots of good stuff coming up today. Hope everyone's having a good Friday so far and getting ready for the weekend. I'm excited. Get a little time off. Get a little, uh, you know, get outside maybe a little bit. Stuff like that. Saints, St. Paul Saints General Manager Derek Scherer will be on the show in a little while. Interesting talking to him. Um, I don't know if you guys are aware, probably some of you are, maybe a lot of you are, um, even with this Major League Baseball work stoppage, the Saints, who are, of course, now affiliated with the Twins, they are their AAA um, minor league affiliate, um, just 10 miles apart, um, their season will go on pretty much as normal. The only difference for the Saints is that um, nobody on the Twins' 40-man roster can compete or train as long as this work stoppage is going on. So, you know, they, they will have a season. Their season opens in about a month. Their home schedule opens a week later. Um, and, you know, they they could end up being, at, at this point, they could end up being the only show in town, at least for a while, as long as Major League Baseball is having its labor issues. So I'll talk to Derek about that more here in a little bit. Got to get to an absolutely bonkers stat I saw the other day about Rick Adelman. Um it pertained to the Sacramento Kings. Of course, Adelman was also a Timberwolves head coach for a while, and it got me thinking about where current head coach Chris Finch kind of falls in the pecking order of Timberwolves coaches, at least as we know it so far, and kind of what he has accomplished at least so far this season. Got to talk a little Gophers women's basketball. That season is over after a Big Ten tournament loss on Thursday to Northwestern. But first, what did I miss? Let's get to the wild. We've been talking about can they take advantage of these two games? You know, one against you know two two against some of the worst teams in um, the Eastern Conference, Philadelphia and Buffalo. Well, they get it done. Thursday was not pretty, but they pull out a five four win over the Philadelphia Flyers on uh, on Thursday. They were down 4-3 going into the, the third period, but get a couple of quick goals in succession in that third period, kind of midway through the period. So, you know, they're able to uh, able to squeeze out a win in that game. Jonas Rodin had the game winner. Matt Boldy had the game-tying goal at 12-16 of the third period. Yeah, Brodeen's goal just... 25 seconds after that. It's not one of those things where all is right with the world, but, uh, you know, some encouraging signs, and at least they get a win. That kind of was the messaging from head coach Dean Evason after the game. Here are a couple thoughts from Dean Evason. I probably can't describe uh, how we were feeling. We, Yeah, it was a grind, right? I mean, we talked about it was going to be a grinding game, and um, you know, to to kind of find where we're at, and we we you know we, we thought we played good. We probably played good in in spurts, but it was a grind. And um, the positive thing is that we did grind, um, continually kept grinding everybody, um, and we we're fortunate to uh, you know get it done. It, the whole team has to get through it, right? It's not uh, it's not Cam. It's it's the Minnesota Wild. The Minnesota Wild have to play through this you have to have a game like this where you know we were good but not you know we made mistakes everybody did and uh everybody's got to play through it and everybody's got to stick together and get it done and we got to continue to get better and better now going forward 
Cam Talbot still struggled to a certain degree in this game. Let in four goals. Um, the defense still leaking. They're still, you know, having some problems with, you know, misplays, turnovers, things like that. But, you know, kind of like Dean Everson said, you know, it's not always going to be a work of art when you snap a uh, losing streak. You know, the Wild had lost six out of seven coming into this game. Sometimes you just need one of those kind of, you know, close games, one of them where you had to kind of fight through it to get a win, to start feeling better about yourself. Maybe this game will be that. You, know, you get Ryan Hartman had two goals in this game. Um, you know, again, just important to get a win. Um, that's that's kind of the bottom line in, in this game. You know, as we've talked about, them starting to fall behind a little bit in the standings, them having some, uh, you know, some issues with, you know, hey, they had Stanley Cup aspirations two weeks ago. Where are they now? And yeah, they're, they're just hoping to get into the playoffs. And they they got to sort some things out long term, right? The goaltending has to get better, whether it's Cam Talbot, Capo Kakinen, or both of them. They're going to need them down the stretch, as we talked about with so many, you know, compressed schedule. Again, the back-to-back tonight against Buffalo. Uh, they're going to need those guys to play better and be able to steal some wins for them. And they need to get better. You know, in, in isolated areas like face-offs. So Philadelphia won 40 face-offs to the Wilds 23 on uh, on Thursday. And that's, you know, maybe you can get away with that against a, a lesser team like Philadelphia. Philadelphia way, you know, under 500 in terms of, you know, points points percentage, things like that. 16, 28, and 10 now. But, you know, against some of the better teams, once you get to the playoffs, you can't have games like that. You're going to be giving up too much possession in both zones in particular. Um, you know, dangerous situations, not being able to capitalize on offense. So can they get those things consistently shored up? Do they need to make a move here at the trade deadline in the next few weeks to, to kind of shore some of that up? They, they seem like they, they didn't seem like they were a team that really needed much a few weeks ago, but as you've seen some of the holes and some of their some of their play get exposed a little bit, maybe that is changing. So we'll see. Bottom line, a win for the Wild on Thursday. I don't know if they should feel great about themselves, but they've got the right at least to feel better about themselves this morning than they did when they woke up on Thursday. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake for 24-7 gaming, fun restaurants and bars, and luxurious hotel rooms. And join Club M to bask in the rewards. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. Happy to have St. Paul Saints General Manager Derek Scherer on Daily Delivery today. Derek, unusual times for baseball, but a little bit business as usual, as close as you can get uh, for the Saints right now, I guess. Um, welcome, and how are you doing? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, it's, a, it's a, another unique offseason for baseball. We, we haven't had a normal one in about three years. It's what it feels like, right? Because, I mean, 2020, we were talking before we started recording, 2020, there was no minor league season, which uh, not uh, <laughs> that's unusual. And 2021, you're still kind of, you know, sorting through everything. It's, you know, you, you still got some COVID restrictions, things like that. And, and here you go with the, uh, the labor stoppage. But what some people might not know if they're not kind of keenly tuned into baseball is that, you know, the minor leagues essentially go on. And if, you know, even if there is a, you know, what seems to be a delay and a lengthy one, if it is one uh, to the major league baseball season, the saints will still be on the field in, in April and are in fact training in Florida right now. Correct. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. And this is maybe a little bit uh, inside baseball, but the only 
I'm sure you're aware of this, but the only uh, the only players impacted by the lockout are the 40 man roster. Um, So so there are a few players that would potentially be starting with the Saints if there wasn't a lockout. Um, But but there's there's plenty of minor leaguers in the system that that we'll be able to field a a triple A team separate from those involved in the in the labor dispute. So what are the Saints up to right now? Are you you're most of the team is down in Florida and has begun basically spring training as usual, so to speak? Yeah, the team and the coaching staff uh, reported in in February and and they've been uh, they've been working out now for a couple of weeks, uh, making preparations here in St. Paul. We're, we're getting ready to open our earliest season ever as, as an independent franchise. For 28 years, we, we opened in uh, mid-May or, or early June, usually much later in the spring. As, as a AAA affiliate now, we play a 150-game schedule. Um, our, our season mirrors the major league season. Uh, so we're scheduled to start on, on April 5th on the road in Louisville uh, and then April 12th here at home in St. Paul. And it, it's, it's a really unique kind of odd situation for us because as a member of the greater baseball family, we're not happy about what's happening with major league baseball. It's just not good for the sport. Um, but, but we're in that sort of unique spot here, uh, a minor league team in a major league market where we, we may be the only show in town for a period of time. We're not hoping for it, but uh, certainly we'll, we'll, we'll do our best to, to take care of baseball fans while we have an opportunity. And I imagine when you were, you know, unaffiliated for all those years, if this had happened in <laughs> one of those years, you might've been having a little bit more, fun with it, kind of poking, poking fun at the, the major leaguers, a little bit more delicate now, but like you said, um, you know, still trying to put yourselves in a position to be there for baseball fans. Yeah, no question. And, and I, it, I don't think it's going to feel all that much different, except for those, those hardcore twins fans that, that only go to twins games. There's, there's such an overlap of a fan base that we've shared with the twins now for, for going on 30 years. And, uh, so, so I think there, there's always been scenarios where Twins fans come to Saints games, Saints fans go to Twins games, baseball fans go to baseball games. Um, but, but there definitely will be a, a, a void, assuming this thing goes farther. At this point, the, the Twins are still slated to open at home on April 7th, I believe. So they, they haven't lost any home games yet, and fingers crossed they won't. But, but if they do, certainly there's a great opportunity for Twins fans to see Twins players in the AAA uniform here at CHS Field. What have you been hearing from, you know, Saints players, players that are training down in Florida? This has got to be kind of an uncertain time, especially for, you know, like you said, the 40-man roster can't be there. So guys who were really good in St. Paul last year, like Jose Miranda, those guys won't be won't be there because they're on the 40-man right now. But, you know, guys who might be on the cusp or close to a promotion or just, you know, guys who have major league aspirations have to be kind of in this weird space right now of like, what's going on with the game? Have you been in communication with those players at all? No, we really haven't at this level. Certainly the, the, the coaching staff has been in contact on a day-to-day basis and the player development staff with the Twins have been in touch with those guys. But my understanding is that they're happy to be playing baseball. You know, they're happy to be on the field, in uniform, training, getting ready for a season. Uh, the, the, the unique situation is those you mentioned, those, those 40-man roster players who – uh, you know, in particular, a guy like Royce Lewis, who who missed last season due to injury, um, was put on the 40-man roster this offseason and now is uh, a part of the labor dispute, whereas several a, a few months ago he wouldn't have been and would be planning for a season. So there's kind of that that mid-range, that, uh, that up-and-coming uh, 
that up and coming prospect that was looking forward to a season that that is a little bit uncertain at this point. And like you said, though, we're, you know, we're getting too far ahead of ourselves. We're going to talk about a lengthy amount of time that, that major league baseball could miss. Like you said, only the first two series canceled so far, still, you know, possible progress sometime here in the near future. You know, that said, as you kind of think about, you know, once this thing might get going, what are you, what are you looking forward to in terms of the players that are going to be playing the season ahead? Because, you know, the twins are a team with a lot of talent at that kind of up and coming level. Yeah, we, we, we certainly, I mean, one of many reasons we hope this thing gets settled sooner than later is that those prospects we're discussing. You, you mentioned a Jose Miranda. We talked about a Royce Lewis. Um, th- those are guys that, that we would like to see here for at least a period of time, if not the whole season. But, um, you know, as, as long as this is going on, we won't see those guys. This is a this is our first full season as a, as a AAA affiliate with the Twins last year. Uh, we were slated to start in April, but but the season got pushed back to May for the minor leagues uh, with with the COVID concerns. So so we're just looking forward to having a full season under our belt with a full off season. Uh, last year was was so new, so unique in that we didn't we weren't able to announce the the, the AAA affiliation wasn't finalized until mid December. Um, we didn't have a schedule until February. The schedule then got pushed back. Um, and then at that point, we didn't even know if we were going to be able to have fans in the ballpark until mid-March. So there were so many moving parts and 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 uh, and and hurdles to, to jump over last year. Just excited to have a full normal offseason, uh, of course, but for what's happening at the major league level. What did you enjoy learn from that first year? of affiliation? Because I'm sure, you know, some things operational wise are kind of the same. It's a baseball game every night, just like it always is. But what, what were some of the particular, you know, transition points that you noticed last year? You know, the, the, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was, uh, you know, certainly the, the talent level, we've always been very proud of, of the, the talent level of the level of baseball we put on the field as an independent, something we were very proud of, moved a lot of guys into major league organizations, uh, several players up into onto major league rosters, but there's no question when, when, when you're fielding a triple a roster and you're playing against another triple a roster, you're seeing some of the best talent in all of minor league baseball. And and we had an opportunity to see that last year. We had an opportunity to see a lot of rehab players too, major leaguers who, who were, who were coming down. We, we had an opportunity to, to work with the twins to, to show exactly how this 10 and a half mile uh, apart partnership was supposed to work. Um, we saw, I think we saw 12 major league rehab players over the course of the season. We saw 27 players who were rostered with the saints move on to the twins. So it was, it was exciting to see it work the way we all dreamt it would. Um, From a, from a day-to-day perspective, it was, it was a ball game uh, with fans being entertained uh, here in the ballpark, the way with the same saints experience, we've always hoped to deliver the thing that we missed the most was the ability to interact with players. And that had nothing to do with uh, AAA affiliation versus independent. It had everything to do with the pandemic. And, and it was seen throughout minor league baseball and major league baseball, the way, the way clubhouses had to bubble um, to, to, to protect themselves and, and those around them. Uh, we, we just missed out on a lot of that interaction that we typically have with players and our fans and, and, 
players and and youth baseball players and that that type of engagement interaction. So so we're excited in in year two here to be able to start see, start seeing more of that come back. You know, with the teams being so close, like you said, ten miles apart, were there you know, like last minute decisions in terms of like players that could be moved here and there? I mean, that that, that just you don't have that flexibility when you're you know hours or you know a flight apart like some affiliates are no question I, I i joked with the the twins player development staff that if there's one lesson we learned it's that we need to take a look at the entire twins roster and make a nameplate for every single player because we were scrambling to move <laughs> nameplates around and make sure guys had uniforms with the right number and nameplate on it so so this year we're just making them all we're gonna have 150 nameplates in the clubhouse and be able to uh, hire. We're going to purchase our own heat press, and we'll be ready to roll. So that was the biggest lesson learned. And uh, it, it was it was it was interesting to see, though. A great example of of the flexibility was a uh, was a Byron Buxton. He would during his rehab stint, he would work out over at Target Field, take batting practice with the big league club, and then he would head head over here to play the game. Um, so so it just the flexibility that provided it provided that. Uh, that that twins player personnel staff was was unbelievable last couple things for you derek appreciate this conversation you hope you don't see byron buxton this year but like you said there's been a lot of players that have kind of shuttled um back and forth as you kind of think about the year and how unusual again it could be are you preparing anything differently if you are indeed the only show in town or will it be kind of the this the same plan you would have had anyway it, really, the same plan. We, we, we've been so fortunate over the years, and and particularly this last uh, seven years here at CHS Field, that the 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 fan support has been amazing. And uh, even even coming off of COVID in 2020 and and last year in 2021 with 2021 with some restrictions, the, the crowds were incredible. We we finished the season uh, fifth in overall attendance out of the 120 minor league baseball teams. So. Uh, you know, I, I would expect that we need to prepare a little bit more for uh, for media. Uh, you know, up in the our press box isn't designed the way a major league uh, a major league press box is, but I would imagine the coverage might increase a little bit if if we're the only baseball to be covered for a period of time. But we're hopeful that the, the Twins are playing and both bar, ballparks are full, regardless. Uh, so so fingers crossed that uh, we we don't. You know, the, the fact that we have an opportunity to be the only show in town for a period of time, is that a little bit exciting and interesting? Sure. Um, but but like I said, it, it's not good for baseball, so we're certainly not open for it. You can never have a normal year. What what can we uh, when can we expect the first normal year? Man, oh, man, I don't know. I think most people who know anything about us would know there's no such thing as a normal year. But <laughs> true, um, right? <laughs> we, we'd like to control the normalcy, right? Like we, we'd like to be the ones causing it to not be normal as opposed to reacting to it not being normal. So I, I, I'm certainly hopeful that we run into one of those. Me too. Well, I appreciate it. Enjoy, uh, you know, enjoy the lead up to this. Hope the guys are getting everything they need to get done down in Florida. And uh, yeah, the season's uh, just about a month away. It's hard to Hard to believe, but uh, we'll be talking about sunshine and baseball in no time. Yeah, we've still got about a foot of snow to melt here on the field. So uh, fingers crossed for some 40-plus degrees, too. Absolutely. Thanks, Derek. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Michael. Appreciate it. Appreciate Derek coming on the show. Lots of interesting you know, subjects related to the Saints. I think, you know, I think he, he did a good job kind of walking that line. You know, obviously they would – you know, not be thrilled, but they would take they would take advantage of the opportunity if they had to be the only 
you know, professional baseball team playing if the Twins and Major League Baseball, if the, if the lockout extended, you know, further than it is right now. But obviously, that's not good for baseball. They they don't want that. There's enough fans to go around even when this thing gets settled. You know, like you said, the Saints were very high up in attendance last season in terms of all of the minor leagues. So, you know, you want to see everybody in the field. You want to see Royce Lewis get back on the field. And he's he's not able to do that right now because he's on the 40-man roster. You want to see a lot of these prospects be able to play wherever it is. So, um, you know, a, a, a dicey situation for them, but, you know, maybe a heartening news for you know, local baseball fans, if they didn't realize that there will be baseball played in the Twin Cities in April, regardless of what happens with this lockout, at least there is that to look forward to no matter what. And kind of interestingly enough, too, speaking of those labor woes, interesting, I read the other day that four Major League Baseball owners apparently voted against the league's latest uh, collective bar- bargaining agreement proposal. So there's some, you know, there's even a little bit of dissension among ownership as to what they're uh, after, what they're doing, and uh, you know, and things like that. So, yeah, I don't know where we go from here. It kind of sounded like Rob Manfred thought they kind of needed a reset the other day, but they got to keep talking, otherwise they're going to lose more games as this goes along. And it, you know, felt like they were getting close the night before, you know, night, you know, Monday this week, and then all of a sudden it, it fell apart. So maybe they can re, maybe they can come back to some of that middle ground they seemed to be finding. Okay, guys, here's an absolutely bonkers stat that I saw on Twitter the other day. Um, has to do with the Sacramento Kings. Uh, with a loss they had the other day, they ensured they were going to have a losing season this year. Um tweet from uh, Josh Dubo, uh, AP writer, um, guessing out in Sacramento. Um, as it says he's based in Alameda, California. The loss by the Sacramento Kings tonight extends an amazing streak, he tweets. Winning seasons in Sacramento with Rick Adelman as head coach. In, as head coach. Eight in eight years. Winning seasons in Sacramento with anyone else as coach. Zero in 29 years. That is absolutely amazing. It shows you the the level of success, what he was able to do in Sacramento. Maybe kind of shows that, you know, Sacramento maybe didn't know how good they had it when they, you know, when when he was there. Um, But that is absolutely amazing. Rick Adelman, a very good head coach for a long time with Portland, Sacramento. And I, I would argue did a good job with the Wolves as well. But that brings me to my Wolves point. Um, Rick Adelman was here for, you know, quite, was here for quite a while, was here presiding over, you know, kind of the the, the Ricky Rubio, Kevin Love portion of the, the Wolves. You know, they improved from, you know, 26 wins in the, in the shortened 2021-2011-2012 uh, season. At 31 wins the next year, 40 and 42 in 2013 14. That was the best Rick Adelman could do. They moved on from there. And, uh, you know, that kind of the rest is history. But Timberwolves franchise history, they have completed 32 seasons in their history. They have eight winning seasons, just like Sacramento does in Sacramento. Seven of those winning seasons started with Flip Saunders as the head coach. Now, there's an asterisk by the 2004-2005 season because he was fired with you know 31 games left. Kevin McHale brought that one to the finish line, actually had, had more success 
than Flip did that year. Got them a 44-38 and record, although they missed the playoffs. That was the beginning of the end of that little, you know, you're not going to call not going to call it a dynasty, but the team that made the playoffs eight years in a row. Now there's a, there were two of those teams that did not have winning records. The first year the Wolves made the playoffs in 1996-97, they were 40 and 42, and in the the, the labor shortened year of 98-99, they were 25 and 25. So even record, but not a winning record. But larger point stands. They've had eight seasons with winning records in their history. Seven of them led by Flip Saunders. The other one, of course led by Tom Thibodeau in the 2017-2018 season. That brings me to this year and the opportunity they have to add a ninth winning season to this mix. They've had a lot of different head coaches in their history who have not been able to have at least one single winning season. It's just kind of amazing to to think about the long list of head coaches who weren't able to get over the hump in any kind of meaningful way, you know, from the from the truly, truly bad, like Kurt Rambis, who you know only won 32 games in two seasons at the helm, 32 and 132, the perfect symmetry. Somehow being 100 games under 500 in just two seasons of work is a is an amazing thing. Uh, you know, guys who maybe didn't get a fair deal, like Dwayne Casey. Um, you know, just all the way down the line of all the history of their head coaches, going back to you know the very first one, Bill Musselman, um, Chris Finch, though has this opportunity right now to be, you know, to be only the third coach in Wolves history to <laughs> to actually have a winning season. The Wolves, you know, right now looking pretty good in the standings, have a good shot at finishing over 500 this season, winning at least 42 games which would qualify for a winning season. They are 34 and 29 right now, so you know, nothing assured, but if they can stay, you know, stay above that mark for the rest of the way, win eight games the rest of the way out of their last, you know, out of their last 19, they will have a winning record. So Chris Finch has a chance to kind of make his mark on in this, you know, this thin Timberwolves coaching history record book, right? It's not been great here. Aside from that run that Flip had in the late 90s, early 2000s kind of culminating in that Western Conference finals appearance against the Lakers. It's been quite bad, but Chris Finch does seem like he's building something here. And, you know, whether he can become that coach that kind of puts together that next string of good seasons remains to be seen, but you have to be optimistic about where they are right now. And, you know, opportunity like we've talked about to uh, to get to get a bunch of those wins strung together. They've got a you know a softer schedule coming up here, starting with um, starting with the game against Oklahoma City here uh, tonight. It's at, it's at Oklahoma City, but the Thunder just twenty and forty two. They've been very shorthanded lately. Wolves a chance to put together a professional effort, start another, you know, and start another nice run here. So we will see. But that that Adelman, you know, that Adelman stat in Sacramento got me going down a path. And, you know, it's it's very similar here in Minnesota. The difference, I guess, is that they've broken that string a little bit. Sacramento hasn't broken that yet. Like we said, uh, they, you know, they're right now Sacramento uh, has a record of 24 and 41, ensuring that they can finish no better than 41 and 41 this season, even if they won their final 17 games. So looking forward to that for the rest of this Wolf season. Just thought I would um, kind of expound on that stat a little bit. Let's finish with the cooler Gophers women's basketball season is over. They lose to Northwestern in the Big Ten tournament. Another one of those games that was close. 
Another one of those games that was there for the taking. Another one of those games where Sarah Scalia was very good. Kind of been the theme of this season. You know, a little bit like the men's basketball team, maybe one or two players short. And that's a that's that's a frustrating place to be because you can have some good efforts, you can have some good games, but you know, there's inconsistency within a season, inconsistency inconsistency within the game, and I think that's what got them again in that finale. So, you know, it's it's coming up on, you know, go time for Lindsay Whalen, uh time for her to get this thing moving next season. She'll have a lot of those top recruits in. Got to see more from this team, more consistency, more talent. I think we will next year. I think we will, in, especially in two years. But uh, it, it's time to start seeing those results on the court next season. That will do it for today. That'll do it for this week. Hope you enjoyed all of the episodes. Please go back and listen if you missed any. It's a nice weekend to do that. And we'll see you again with Patrick Royce and myself on Monday. 